Welcome to Silver Linings Podcast. In honor of Tylee and JJ, we are continuing to discuss healing and how to deal with life's tragedies. So let's talk about it. I'm listening to our new opening, I sound like the guy at Disneyland, like when there's a ride. I just listen to that. I'm like, oh, that sounds familiar. Uh, welcome into our podcast, another edition of Silver Linings. Uh, it's Adam and Rex, and we do have a guest today. Um, and I got to apologize. Last time we had this guest on, um, we didn't get to all the things that we intended to get to. And so we're, we're having him back on. I know it's been, I don't know, maybe a month or I can't a month. time to me. Has it been about a month? And uh, we're excited because we get to talk to one of Rex's many psychologists. <laughs> it takes a village. <laughs> Apparently. Uh, so we're excited to have Denim on. And Rex, you can talk a little bit more about him before we just put him on real quick. Well, when we had him on last time, we had him on specifically so he could speculate, not knowing Lori and Chad, but he could speculate about why... Lori might have been attracted to Chad based on the core concept, which he's going to remind us of and explain. And I think it's just fascinating. And that's a, a lingering question. Lori with Chad. I mean, her defense team even used it in the closing argument saying that's ridiculous that Lori would be attracted to Chad. And so most of us have that question. And this brings some real insight. Um, nothing definitive. We can't say it's like this exactly. We can't say anything is definitive about why she might have been attracted to him. So this is the best shot we've got. You're in <laughs> trouble then. Yes. No, we're not in trouble. You're great. Because last time I remember we talked about you and we, all the different uh, personalities. And I think I was either an L or an O. And I was like, oh, that's me. And Rex is like, no, that's not you. You're this. So let, yeah, let's, let's find out L, about the core. Yeah, let's let's find out again real quick. We uh, brief uh, everybody on the, the core concept. Yeah, so... Um, core temperament model is a model of, of personality or temperament that I've developed. Um, research has shown for decades that, uh, that personality doesn't change and, um, and which is really kind of confusing to, to a lot of people and, and also really important to understand because, um, as we strive to make changes in our lives and, um, it's really important to understand things that are changeable and things that are not changeable. And, the, the core temperament model is, is a temperament model, which is a little bit different than personality. I think we talked a little bit about that last time. Um, temperament is the, un, is the underlying reasons why we do the things that we do. And uh, research has shown that, that infants come into life high or low on nine different temperament variables. And so core is an acronym that um, my research um, identified four predictable um, temperaments. Most of us have a pretty dominant primary temperament type, and then most have a pretty strong secondary temperament type as well. And, and so understanding core helps, helps us understand why we do the things that we do and then why other people do the things that they do as well. Is that a... That's a good, a brief that's a good summary. And oh, I, let's mention <laughs> that yeah. if someone didn't get that from the summary, they could order Dr. Um, Dr. Denon's book. Yeah. Which, and the name of that is? Unlock Your Core Potential, What You Can and Can't Change About Personality. Um, Ava available on Amazon. Uh, yeah, available on Amazon. And 
several people ordered it after the last program, so Denim's about to retire <laughs> with all many, the books many, he sold yeah. from that. <laughs> you don't get rich writing a book. <laughs> yes, we know. <laughs> yeah. Let's not get into that. Right. On our, on our <laughs> Hold on. Hold on. We we are going to talk about our book in in, in our lives, so there. That's that's. Anyways, we'll okay. talk more about that. But let's. I'm, okay, so let's let's dive right in. Let's dive right into like Lori's personality, Chad's personality, or why they they ended up connecting. Yeah. So you know, like like you said, this is conjecture, of course, with without spending time with Lori and really understanding. Um, normally, I can spend you know five minutes with somebody and and ask some questions and get a pretty good feel for what they're what the temperament is. Um, but I, I believe that, um, that Chad, let's start talking with Chad about Chad a little bit. So E stands for exactness, exactness and excellence and E's think through things, um, really th- thoroughly and they settle on the best way to do something. Um, and they have a, a really high level of confidence in the conclusions that they draw on something because they feel like they've they've researched it or thought through it so thoroughly that um, that their conclusions are correct and um, and so if you disagree with an E, their default is to think that you're wrong, um, not that you're stupid necessarily, but they they tend to think that if you had this piece of information or this piece of data, you would also land on this correct <laughs> conclusion because it's the obvious correct conclusion and. Um, and ease that that uh, that assurance that comes from what they say um, creates confidence in other people as well. It's uh, it's attractive. The ease sometimes almost have kind of a regal presence, and and people find themselves wanting the approval of ease because ease don't give that out really quickly, and so um, people seek that and. Um, and I, I think that Chad is probably a primary E, you know, he set himself up as the, the man on the mountain and the one with all the answers and, um, and had, had an explanation and a, a reason for everything. And, um, and I think that, um, I think Lori found that, that really appealing. I don't know how. This isn't very kind of me to say. I don't know how appealing she necessarily found him, but but I I assume, and it would appear from the data that that is available, that she found that aspect of of him and what I would say of his eness um, really appealing, and um, and I think he quickly became the the man on the mountain for her, and and the one with all the answers, and um, and then you start to construct a narrative of, um, of why things happen. And, um, and when, when you want to, to be with somebody, then, um, you know, he had very convenient, um, reasons to, um, eliminate obstacles between, uh, between the two of them and, um, kind of created this fantasy reality, uh, I guess the fantasy and reality here are not synonyms, but I call it an alternative reality. Yeah. Yeah. Created this alternative reality that, that they were both very, um, bought into. I, I, I'm, I'm intrigued to kind of see how Chad's trial plays out and, and how, how, 
because it, it does appear very much that that Lori um, bought in hook, line, and sinker, and and I think especially after some of the atrocious things happened, I I don't think there was room in her psyche to be able to to have it not be true, and I think that further solidified his authority um, in her mind because because him being wrong was no longer an option for her mm. um, to be able to live with the the things that had happened only that that that's only doable if this alternative reality this fantasy um, story was correct because if it wasn't then then what right exactly then what can you g- give us some in some possible insight to Lori uh, and using the same same approach yeah I I, I think from my outside observation that, that she is probably some combination of R, um, R and O maybe. Um, and you you guys certainly would know better than I, and I'd, I'd love for you to kind of chime in here on this. But, but R, R stands for resolution, and, and R's are motivated by getting things done. Um, when, when something comes on the radar screen of an R, it creates emotional distress. And it doesn't matter whether it's lost keys or the TV remote or an unfinished project. Um, it creates emotional distress. And resolving that thing resolves the emotional distress for the R. Um, R's are super passionate. They feel things very intensely. And what they feel is takes up the whole radar screen. Once something comes to their attention, it's all they've ever felt. It's all they're ever going to feel. It takes up the whole screen for about 10 minutes until something else is on the screen and takes up the whole screen. But, um, but that drive for resolution and, and, um, ours tend to be very reactive. They, um, they meet resistance with equal or greater resistance. Ours are really, really good. One of the greatest contributions that ours make to humanity is getting things done and moving things forward. Um, and so when, when an R meets resistance, the R's tendency is to, is to push back with equal or greater resistance and kind of bust through that. And um, E's tend to struggle with movement. Um, In fact, an E will sit at a decision point sometimes for years if they don't feel like they have the resources or whatever because E's want to do something the right way. And if they don't feel like they have the resources to to do something the the kind of the right idyllic way – then they then they get stuck until they feel like they can do that, and so so then you you add an R to that to that mixture, who is it was all about movement, right? And let's get this done and let's move forward. And and I and I, again I don't know a whole lot about what things were like in Chad's trajectory before Lori entered the scene, but things appear to have escalated rapidly and dramatically when she, when her movement was brought into that equation and and all of a sudden maybe things that were like theories and thoughts were like okay well if this is true then then let's let's get moving and and things then moved really quickly um i don't know if i'm correct but but that is just from the outside uh, uh you know observer um, and my understanding of temperament and personality, that's, that's kind of what it seems like to me. I don't know. Am I off in your, in your understandings of Lori and what motivates her? 
Well, you said the um, she was probably speculating primarily in R with O as a secondary. I, I tell you us know, a little bit yeah, about that. Yeah, and I'm not, and and I think Adam as a, I, I think Adam is a primary O, and um, we talked a little bit about that last time, where O's are motivated by pleasant emotion and fun, and this is why I don't, I don't know because we haven't seen you know, in the media and in the datelines and in all the proceedings, there's nothing fun going on. Right. And, and it's all, you know, Oh yeah. But Lori, Lori was definitely, you know, the, the life of the party, always trying to do something so everybody could have fun. And she wanted to have fun and laugh and play games and go to the movies and like all those things that you mentioned. So yeah, she definitely has part of her personality right. as, Oh, but she also is like this too. Like, I have this project and I got to get it done and I'm staying up all night till it's done. Right. So she, she, you're right. She's a mix between the two of them. That drive for resolution. And, and a lot of times, so personality ends up being a combination of nature and nurture. We, we all come into life with the, with the, our primary temperament. Um, but then, and I think we talked a little about this last time too, but our, during those first three years of life, 80% of our brains get wired and, 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 so how our brains literally get wired is a co-creative process that occurs between uh, an infant and her or his caregivers. And so a lot of times um, people within the same family will have the same secondary type um, with different primary types. And so, again, just kind of given snapshots of her and then, and then, you know, what you shared last time, Adam, I, I, either your family culture was an O culture or, but it seems like there was, there was a fair amount of O-ness uh, in there. Um, which again, I think, yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I think, I think Chad, again, total speculation, right? But I think Chad brought this sense of, of authority, um, that, that Lori deferred to, you know, into her life. And I think for him, she was like energy, right? You know, O's and O's and R's are the most energetic of of the personality types. Um, they're both the most external processing, and um, while their energy is different, our energy is very kind of movement oriented and and getting things done and explosive. O energy tends to be very buoyant and light, and um, you know, let's have a good time. Um, here you have this guy that. Um, seems charismatic throughout his life. Um, but, but in a lot of ways wasn't, you know, there wasn't a, a lot that, that necessarily would, would draw people physically to him. Right. <laughs> um, or, or wasn't really according to descriptions like, uh, Lori's cousin Braxton that was on said when he met Chad, he expected this very charismatic leader. He said nothing just as vanilla guy as you might expect. Is that possible in totally. this scenario? Well, again, ease, ease, ease are the most internal processing of anybody. Um, you, you rarely know what's going on inside of an E unless they let you in. And E's don't tend to let very many people in. Um, and so, yeah, absolutely. That, again, that's, that's part of the charm is, is you kind of have to work to get close to an E a, a lot of the time. But I think, you know, I think from, from his perspective, I think she was probably like just, you know, a breath of energy. And, um, I think he probably felt like he, you know, hit the lottery with her and, and, and 
was super flattered, I assume, by her interest in and almost worship in him. And, um, and so I, I, you know, again, I think that it's, it's easier to see what he saw in her than to, to see what she saw in him. But I, but I think temperament, um, helps us understand a little bit of what probably drew her in. You know, as Adam and I were processing this in the early days, we didn't know anything about Chad. We still don't know much about Chad, but I went, Adam described what probably happened so well. And I'd been using his description since then of a perfect storm. When they got together, this was just a perfect storm. And Adam, from what I've heard so far, this fits right into that perfect storm description that you gave. It sounds like their temperaments and personalities were just geared for what what they the evil that they created. Yeah, yeah. I, I it, here's my thing is like we started talking about as we were writing this book, and I started writing about Lori's husbands and what she was looking for, and she wants the white picket fence. She wants the husband that will go to church with her. The you know have the perfect family, take the take the family to church and church was a, was a cornerstone for her with what she wanted out of a husband. And, you know, she reads the scriptures and she would, you know, do family home evening and none of the husbands would ever, you know, have anything to do with it. Um, and so she found somebody like Chad who was going to give her what she wanted, which was somebody who knew the scriptures, somebody who, you know, had a a base testimony of the gospel instead of all these guys that she met that she tried to convert to become LDS and the religion. And so when she met Chad, Chad was already there. And so I think that, like you said, she was just like, oh my gosh, I found somebody who's on my level, the way she wants to describe it, right? And so he fit everything that she was looking for as far as that goes. Now, the one question I do have and and I still can't figure this out. And when I talk to people about it, they all shake their head and go, I just don't understand this part of it. So Chad obviously writes fiction. And they went on this thing where they would tell each other to go into their closet and then they'd be in, a, in some kind of a portal so they can communicate in the portal. How do two grown human beings, knowing that there is no portal, that there is no communication in, in a closet by yourself – like, how do you continue to have that fantasy or do the things and tell people about that? Um, well, there, it, there's some delusion there, right? Um, because healthy people don't do that. Um, and, and so, I, I, again, I, I don't know. It's, it's speculation. But, but I think, you know, the, the delusion of that and, and the story that – and, again, when, when – we're vulnerable to things when our needs are getting met, you know, and, and like you're saying, you know, she's, she's come out of these various, um, marriages where, where it hasn't been this, uh, hasn't been, hasn't yielded what she wanted it to yield. And, and she's, she's searching for this and, and, and what she, what she had conceptualized as, as kind of the ideal. And then all of a sudden here's this, this man that um, is checking the boxes, and not only that, he's like the prophet, right? He's like the Messiah, and 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 he's so so. Not only do I get a righteous man, I get the righteous man, right? And and so 
I, I think it was, um, I think it was probably really easy for her to defer to that because another, you know, another thing that people wonder is, you know, how can, how can a strong woman, um, be, um, be in an abusive relationship or, or allow herself to be, um, treated poorly when I, I, I had a, 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 a session with somebody yesterday and super strong. She's an RE really strong woman. And, um, and just, uh, is, has been in an abusive relationship. And she said, you know, this is the only place in my life that I allow myself to be treated like this. Hmm. I don't, she's a successful businesswoman, um, you know, has raised children and, and, and then she gets in this primary attachment relationship and, and allows herself to be treated really poorly. And, and I think you've got a similar situation here with an RO is a, is a pretty dominant um, energy and, um, and brings a lot to the table. And, um, and I, and I think that we all though, we all want to feel like we matter. Every single human has those two primary needs. Do I matter to those that I'm supposed to matter to? And am I emotionally safe with those with whom I'm supposed to be emotionally safe? And, and we all want a safe place. We call it a secure base, right? We all want a safe, secure base where we get to be soft and where we get to be taken care of. And so I think you've, you've got this E who's like, I've got all the answers and I'm, I'm the man. And I, um, I, I, you know, I'm, I'm the authority on all this stuff. And, and I think that she, um, probably thought that she had, you know, found, found the, the, mm-hmm. her place, you know, I, there, there's, some narcissism, you know, apparently some narcissistic tendencies anyway. And, um, and I think that they both, uh, thought really highly of themselves. Um, Oh yeah. Right. And, and they just really fed their egos and, and those core needs that we all have. And that's, that's the danger. You know, when you, when you get emotional needs met in unhealthy ways, it makes you vulnerable to, going down unhealthy paths. Well, that explains also how they could, to Adam's question, how they could build this alternative reality. It's because it's what both of them want. and Super they, convenient, right. Yeah, so it's convenient. Right. You don't have to deal with any realities. Right. You make crap up so the world is the way you want it to be. Totally. And that's why it's short-lived. That and they were idiots as criminals makes right. it a very short <laughs> reality or, or endure, it doesn't endure very long, but uh, that you can see them both playing into that. Totally. Yeah, we can make stuff up so the world is exactly as we want it and people won't notice that we killed the children. Right. See, I think the portal is no, is no different than going to Hawaii, right? When after the deaths and there's just this delusional like, we get to do whatever we want because we aren't we aren't held accountable to these lower rules, th- these lower laws, right? We're living a higher law. Other people don't know about it, but we know about it, and and so we we don't have to follow those rules, and we get to we get to go play house. And I think the the portal in the closet and the trip to Hawaii and all that is it was just that. It's this it's this alternative reality where they were playing house with each other. I think, again, 
total speculation, right? Total speculation. But, ba- but based on some science, there is science here that it, it may, it's 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 <clears throat> common. Like I always go with gut feelings and common sense, and that's what it sounds like to me as well. But I just in my mind, I'm trying to think how two people <clears throat> could actually. Look, and I'm all for it. Look, if you want fantasy in your in your marriage or what, whatever you want to do, dress up. I don't care what you do. <laughs> but the carrying out of literally what I remember, I remember Lori told my son, Zach, at one point that don't go in my closet because um, it's a portal. Mm. And he just looked and he called me. He's like, I think Lori's losing. I said, what happened? He's like. She said not to go in her closet because there's it's a portal and she goes in there to uh, whatever talk or whatever, and so <laughs> whatever. But how did you think? Do you think Chad actually went into his closet too, or Chad was the one that just said, "Lori, go into your portal and talk to me through the portal," um, because I, I psychologically I know you say it's delusional, but I still don't understand how two people could actually, you know do physically do that when they're not near each other. I think he probably did as well. Um, again, I, I think that, that do they stay on the cell phone and talk to each other? And I would assume pretend like it's a, and then I pretend would, it's a portal. I would assume, I mean, you can also, okay. you know, you can meditate and you can, you know, kind yeah. of create things like that. Right. But I would assume that they were probably on the cell phone. Um, Portaline. <laughs> yeah. And Rex, Rex, Rex brings up a great point too. Um, earlier is like, you know, whenever Lori got called out or something, um, she would make up something else. And so they both, I think Chad would do the same thing. I think that once they got caught in a lie, they would come up with something completely different that they just kept on. Like Chad writes these fiction books that he was just giving fiction to Lori. He's giving fiction to Alex. He's giving fiction to all the Melanie's and, and whoever else is involved, like nonstop. I'm sure he was battered with questions that he would just be like, Oh yeah, that doesn't make sense. Let me come up with something that sounds a little bit more real. Totally. And you know, you, you've, you've got the, uh, the psychological, emotional motivation to, to create a story, we, we interpret everything, right? I mean, if I, you know, if I put my water bottle up here, we assign a meaning to that. If I, you know, if I wink at Rex, we, we assign a meaning that we, we interpret everything that happens. And, um, and so we're constantly creating narratives that, that help explain to us what's going on. And, um, and so when you start doing extreme behaviors like this, then, then the, the narrative becomes more extreme because it has to justify what's going on. We all do that to a degree. And, um, I mean, there have certainly been moments in my life where, where I've, you know, told myself stories that made me feel better about things that, um, that I, you know, when I had a little more insight or perspective, I recognized the dysfunction that I was doing. And I can offer a little bit here. I haven't offered much because I don't have much to offer, but I can offer how the portaling works how the two people, you don't have to be on cell phones. The two people involved, it's a common practice for people that portal. I'll explain how I know this some other time. <laughs> well, it's a common now practice. you got to explain <laughs> well, they get, Wait, are you being serious? I thought a joke no, I'm was being coming. serious. You, no, no, you're being serious? This is serious. You don't know wow. this about me, Adam. I'm actually a... Are you a portaler? I'm, no, I never <laughs> portal. I'm a level four universal white time healer. 
Oh, just, level four. I'm just exper- I'm just uh, revealing this right now. I don't know what that is. Um, I, I don't does? know. None of us know what he's talking about. <laughs> I'm going to sure make it up and tell you. No, this is this is real. I went I went to okay. some workshops for anyway. Another story okay. for another time. Okay. But when those two people get back together, they just talk and make up what happened mm. in the portal. Oh man, was that not incredible? last night in the portal. Oh, did you feel this and this? Yeah, oh, yeah I, did. I did. And did you feel this? Yeah, I did. And oh. they just they just make crap up. Yeah. And it's their reality. Wow. I also yeah, I, Go ahead, Adam, sorry. No, you go ahead, you. I was going to say there you know, I I believe it, that there that there is a spiritual component to this as well and 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 there, you know, you've got the psychology and the the emotional aspect of it, but you know, I also believe in the adversary and, and, and in his influence and just like I believe in God and, and in his influence. And, um, and when you start opening yourself up, um, it opens the door up for messages to come. And, and when those messages are telling you things, when those messages are coming from an evil source and they're telling you things that you want to hear, it becomes easy to, to, um, think that those are promptings coming from deity um, because they're convenient. And then it gets really confusing. And I think, I think trying to understand and you understand this situation without incorporating that into it leaves yeah. some really important variables out of the equation. I know we're running out of time. I want everybody to know that uh, Dr. Denham does have a book out in case you're interested in all this stuff. You can, uh, Dr. Denham, what's the name of your book? Unlock your core potential, what you can and can't change about your personality. You can get it on Amazon, or you can also go to drdenimslade.com and look at the resources we have there. Yes, Love it. I, and I recommend the website. Say it again, the website. drdenimslade.com. And would you tell them, just spell it out so they know uh, it's a doctor spelled out? Yeah, or yeah, drdenim, D-E-N-I-M, slade, S-L-A-D-E.com. Love it. Real, real quick before we go, we got 10 seconds. Um, are you jealous that Rex has more than one psychiatrist? No. Okay. <laughs> he not knows a, I need I'm more not, than I'm one. I'm not a psychiatrist. <laughs> okay. For comments, you. you can email us, rexandadam at gmail.com. This has been a production from a podcast studio.